me division and community. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to help create diversity in thought without creating division and community, and where we want to help you remember how to think instead of tell you what to think. My name is Matt Fisher. I'm the creative director here at Hill City, where we record this and every episode of the podcast. And I am here with my co-host, Mr. John Wagler, part of the team here at Hill City Wags. What's going on? What up? It is fall weather-ish. Don't I w- jinx it. <laughs> I wore a hoodie the other day, so stock up on Richmond weather. <laughs> it's Richmond. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's fall in Richmond where it's 40 in the shade and 90 in the sun. It's like, why am I cold and why am I sweating now? It's, it's like, like having malaria. That's what it's like. Um, cool. Well, we are back for another installment of our series on faith and sexuality. Um, this week, we have a guest here in the studio, real life, not on the phone. That was nerve-wracking for me, having the phone thing happening <laughs> last time with Karen. Um, we have our dear friend, Michelle Sluss. Michelle, how are you? What is up? I am glad it's fall. I'm tired of 90-degree weather that's like 150 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, same, same. I just hope we continue to have a fall before the apocalypse. Um, and that it stays fall, that it doesn't like shift 5,000 right times. Yeah. Well, I just don't want it to go like fall winter. Yeah. You know, like I just want fall. Yeah. Well, you better start recycling. Right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, today we're going to have Michelle just kind of share with us um, her story a little bit and... Um, what it's like for her as um, someone who um, considers themselves both gay and a Christian um, and uh, just being out and living life. And um, she goes to our church here at Hill City. So what it's like to be in our community. And uh, yeah, we're going to we're going to let Michelle talk more than John and I as much as we love to hear ourselves talk. Yes, we do. <laughs> no, I'm not used to this. <laughs> I know. Before we started recording, Michelle like put the headphones on for the first time and we're like, oh, voices you guys love to hear yourself talk <laughs> and she's not wrong um so yeah michelle let's let's just kick it off uh, give us um a little bit about your story just kind of maybe um your story in faith but also your story in in um realizing and then coming out as um a gay person and and how that's kind of led up to today yeah so um i essentially grew up in church um a very small town um outside of Charlottesville, about 45 minutes outside of Charlottesville. So like not too close. Mm. Um, but grew up in and out of church. Um, we went to the same church, like my whole life growing up until middle school. Um, and then jumped around a couple of times between middle school and high school. Um, didn't really know much about like faith and sexuality and, um, didn't really know very many gay people. I wasn't introduced to my first gay person until I was a freshman in high school and I didn't understand it. Um, and looking back on it, it's, it's kind of funny for me. Cause it's like, how did I know I was gay? If I never knew gay people, then I'm like, oh, I remember like all the crushes I had in kindergarten on girls. And it's like, yeah, no, I was always gay. Like there's right. just, there was no question. Um, but figuring that out for myself was a completely different thing because I didn't have anybody to talk to. I didn't have, I had friends, but my experience with people is they always change once they find out you're gay. So those close relationships that I had always changed. So then I had to guard myself even more. Um, and now I did have some really great friends in high school um, who were very like open and honest in these conversations. And were like, look, like we're going to love you regardless of who you are. So like while you're figuring this out, we're figuring it out with you. Um, so I think that was a great experience for me. Um, however, like on the 
religious side of it, I didn't really tell anybody from church. Um, it was just one of those things where you didn't expect people to love you for it. Um, the people, once I started meeting more gay people and knowing more, like the small community of gay people that I knew, it was the same thing. Like they were petrified of the church finding out, hearing all these things, and then like drastically changing who they were or essentially wanting to pray the gay away for them. Um, <clears throat> so like going through that shifted like how I are shaped, how I had conversations with people and who I wanted to tell. I didn't tell anyone from the churches that I grew up with until like three years ago that I was gay. Um, So like, and they were people, one is someone who's a pastor now who I knew literally my entire life. Like his oldest son, I babysat when I was a kid. Um, And then like older in high school um, when he had more kids and they were older, I was like, I would babysit them on Sunday nights at church or Wednesday nights at church or whatever. So like they've known me my almost my entire life. Um, but I still like guarded that very piece of me. Um, and I think I guarded it because my parents were so influential in church. Like my mom was a Sunday school teacher and my dad was an usher. Um, so like I wanted to protect their image just as much as I wanted to protect mine. Um, but I also grew up in this reality that like you hide all the bad stuff. Like you don't go to church and like, let them know that I might've said a curse word or, Mm -hmm this or I you know might have said darn and it was still like you don't say that word here and I'm like but I said it at home Mm -hmm. so that kind of a lot of that shifted it um and then just not having a really great coming out story with my parents really really shaped the adulthood of my life and then coming to Hill City it shaped everything of me not wanting to tell anybody Mm -hmm. um and fighting adamantly for the first six months with God in conversation like I'm not telling them I'm gay. And he's like, uh, yeah, you are like Mm -hmm. we, like it was like always an eternal struggle with him of like, you are going to tell these people you're gay because there's something for you and you can't achieve that if you're still like hiding who you are. So like being here and this being like the first Christian outlet that I've been able to like have community with and be like, yeah, by the way, like, I like girls too. So what are we going to do with this? Like, so that just kind of, I mean, that brings me to now. Um, And on this incredible journey with people who are, who want to actually like talk about it um, and are adamant about not just like having it with other people, but also wanting to have it with me as well. Um, So, and I think that, Again, like if I had that in my like late teens, early twenties, I think my entire journey would have been drastically different than what it is now. So hmm. there's that. You know, we could yeah, that's awesome. Um it's funny, like even when I think back to our conversations when we you know, in that first six months. Yeah. I remember when, you know, we sat down and he talked about it with me and, and Lacey and and uh it's it's almost humorous now, just I mean, think about how many times you've been in our house and how you yeah. our kids, whatever. But um, what has it been like? Cause like people always go to like theology first mm-hmm. and it's so frustrating. It's frustrating for me. So I cannot I imagine, you know what it's like for you, but what, like taking the theology part out of the equation, what's been frustrating for you with people? 
Oh, um, just the lack of like knowledge, because like being gay is essentially like I um, had conversations with other like my friends who are black and I'm like, yeah, like I can hide like I can do a good, decent job of hiding being gay, but not really. Um, And my friends who are black are like, welcome to being a minority. Like they will like when Preston was here, um, people were coming up to me and like hugging me or like texting me and like asking me how I was feeling. And I was like, you know, like, I just I don't want to like. I'm fine. Like, can I just be here? Can I, can I just like figure this out with you? And then it's like, um, when I was talking to one of my friends and she's like, nah, like you're a minority. So like, I think that's, what's frustrating is it goes back to like, I always joke about being the token lesbian with my group of friends. Cause in Richmond I am like, I have more straight friends than I have gay friends. And I'm like, yeah, I'm the token lesbian. Like I'm everybody's gay best friend. So like, I'm your favorite lesbian. And they all laugh about it, and it's actually a really funny joke. But, like, I think that's the most frustrating thing is not everybody knows how to have gay friends um, or have gay friends. And even beyond that, like, people will ask questions about it, but then, like, not be intentional about, like, wanting to further the conversations. It's kind of like... Yeah, that's good. Ends itself. Mm. I remember when you said... um, This was months ago now, but I remember we were upstairs... And we're just chatting and and you said um i don't even want to talk about sexuality anymore and so i was just you know we we had a good laugh about it and uh, i was like that's great i mean like let's just be and she goes and you said this and i thought this was actually really incredible because i think this is something that no matter where you stand theologically on it or you know where what place people are coming from i thought what you said was so awesome because i was like gosh i just wish people would get on board with this you said you know what I want to do? I just want to let the spirit lead me for a while. And I just want to be close to God. And I just want to grow that way. And that's what I want to do. Yeah. You know, and, and, but that's not what people, no. <laughs> so that's just not what people do. So that was awesome when you said that. Yeah. I remember that. And I'm still like, I was, um, when I was talking with, um, Preston's friend, Leslie, when she was here and she was like, yeah, like my pastor, or like one of her bishops or, or not bishops, um, Deacons? Deacons, yeah. Elders are, were like, yeah, like, I'm just really tired of having, like, this conversation. And she's like, you're tired. <laughs> and I'm like, no, but for real. Like, I don't mind having the conversation about, like, sexuality and, like, the, you know, learning somebody's experience and humanizing people. Um, I'm just tired of the debate of, like, but are you affirming or are you not affirming? And then, like, if... You know, someone says they're a gay cel- or a celibate gay Christian. They're like, oh, so like that means you're not affirming of gay marriage. And it's like, n- no, like, right. let's back up. Like, I'm just on a journey for myself. I can't speak for the thousands of other people that are like walking behind me yeah, as they're trying to figure out their own experiences. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to um, <clears throat> a, a guy who is like a sort of mentor of mine who's been a Methodist minister for 40 years. And I've known him since I was in high school. It's actually, I don't even know why I'm trying to be coy about it. It's my shrink. Um, <laughs> we like, all know that. Like, I'm so coy about everything else, right? Uh, so I was talking to my shrink, and uh, it was like, all I wanted to talk about was theology. And we were in session, so he's like, are you paying me to talk about your problems or to talk about your theology? But at the end of it, um, and we were talking so because he's in the UMC, and they're going through some uh, mm-hmm. stuff. But we were talking about it, and he's he would consider himself gay affirming, but he was just like, you know what, man? I've been doing this for a long time. He's like, I got an MDiv, and I got all this stuff. 
He's like, you want to know how many people have ever been ha- have ever been saved by theology? <laughs> I was like, you're right. He's like, it's helpful down the road. It's really more for people who are already, you know, sort of like bought in and need to yeah. figure out the mechanics of things. But even then, you know, he's just like, he's like, I'm not trying to tell you not to walk this path. And I like that he always like makes fun of me for, he's like, you're literally the only lay person I've ever met who knows what a hermeneutic is. And I was <laughs> like, all right, cool. Um, but he's like, I want you to go down this path, but you just need to know that I've been doing this for 40 years and never had anyone. I, you know, he was like, I've never had a gay or straight person who was suicidal in my office want me to talk to him about substitutionary atonement or a traditional marriage or like yeah. any of this stuff. So that was like good to hear. And I think that kind of goes along, you know, with your sentiment of like, can I just, can I live? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And I'm so tired of like, because you're right. Like nobody gets saved based of, off of theology. Like everyone gets saved because they felt like a genuine love from somebody else, which is the direct reflection of like what, how Christ should love. Um, and that's like, Honestly, like, and Matt, like you and I've talked about it. I'm getting to this point of like, gay people only want to know if Christians are affirming or non-affirming because Christians and the church has done such a bad job of making them feel human Mm. and not making them feel like, oh, like you just didn't pray hard enough. Mm. And it's like, yeah, no, I, I prayed fervorously multiple times in my life. To where I'm like crying on my bed and feeling like, like, what's the point anymore of like following this deity who's like not answering like the biggest prayer I have. And it took me years to feel like or to hear God be like, I don't need to change you. Mm. Like I made you for who I want you to be. And if that piece of it is there, like that piece of it's there, I'm not changing it. I'm not taking it away. Like we can figure out ways for you to still feel like you're worthy enough for me that we will work on spiritually together. But everything else, like I've made you how I want you. And that is for the greater purpose of me. So to be like a gay Christian, like I now have to look at that conversation and be like, all right, like instead of asking my pastor, if he's like affirming or not affirming, or if I get married, will he marry me? It's going to be like, all right, cool. Like, do you just, do you just love me? Like, are you going to be there for me? Are you, if I have a problem, are you going to support me? And are you going to mentor me? Are you going to give me the directions of where I need to go or not bash me and be like, well, like, I'm not going to help you because you're gay. Like, I don't believe in that. Like, so I think like if we, if the church did a better job moving forward, of humanizing LBGTQ persons, then we would probably stop asking if you're affirming or non-affirming of gay marriage. Mm -hmm. And then we would start being like, no, like they just like, they love really well and they see me for me and they're here to be a part of my journey and help me move on from the past hurts that I've dealt with from my childhood. Mm -hmm. Did you have something? No. Um, So... I know you're so a big theme of what you're saying is like it's not all about the theology and and you're kind of sick of talking about it right um that said and you can punt if you want to totally but like what is I would love to hear your perspective one of the thing about this big conversation specifically that we've like gotten real into over the last couple of weeks we as a community at Hill City with the Preston event and Karen coming on the podcast mm-hmm. and like I know you've read a bunch of books over the last year or, mm-hmm. or however long um and one of the big things that I hear um, from people, uh, especially I think straight people who are who consider themselves allies or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, is like, man, it feels so weird to have this conversation without a 
gay person, you know, like, mm-hmm. it feels like a lot of people talking about other people outside of school, which we know there was, like, you and there were, like, a pretty good amount of gay people at the Preston event. Mm-hmm. We know that that's not necessarily, like, um, 100% true, that there are people and, like, Leslie was there. Mm-hmm. But it certainly does feel that way to certain people. So... What is your, so now like now's the chance for us to not talk <laughs> as if you're not here right <laughs> um like what has been your like just help us process some of your thoughts through this whole thing like what is this Preston event and this Karen podcast and and War of Loves and uh, which is the book by David Bennett and all of this stuff how does it look from Michelle's seat So from my seat it kind of looks like if I'm going to be For me personally, if I'm going to walk down the path of celibacy, which I am, or if I'm going to walk down the path that like God will bless me with a wife and it will be a monogamous God-centered relationship and he is fine with it. For me, it's like it's what I spiritually feel peace with and what I've wrestled with with God and what I've had conversations with him about and where I feel like the spirit is leading me. Um, and it's, but it's not based on my opinion of like all people. So like I have friends who are gay that live in, um, another state, um, who's in a, a same sex relationship. And we were talking about this a couple weeks ago. And I was like, at the end of the day, like, I'm looking at you as a gay Christian. And I'm like, you know what? I, this is a relationship that I would support if you said like, Hey, like, shells we're getting married and i'll be like oh like are absolutely um when do i need to get ordained because i'm you know no one else is going to marry you i'm going to do that um or is it going to be like hey like i've chosen this path for a reason like how are you like will you still love me and i think for me in my seat and what i'm looking at is every person is different every story needs to be different if a person is choosing celibacy because they feel like celibacy is the only directed answer from God. It's because that's what they feel like with God. Not that they think that every gay person should be celibate. Um, Because not every gay person is made to be celibate. Just like not every straight person is made to be celibate. Um, But I also think it's dependent upon the healthiness of a affirming relationship or a monogamous gay relationship that you would look at too. Um, If one of my straight friends came up to me and said like, hey, like I met this awesome guy like six months ago. We're getting married. And I'm like by the way, I don't think he's right for you, but I must still love you, but I'm not gonna, like, I would do that with anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, like, hearing Preston and hearing Karen and reading all of these things, like, the the biggest thing that I got out of it is God's still gonna love me. Mm -hmm. Whether or not my humanistic answer for LBGTQ people is affirming or non-affirming, like, God's still gonna love me. Like, when I get to heaven and I'm at the door... I want God to be like, hey, like, you did a really great job showing the gay community what my love looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's going to be like, yeah, but like, there's five more people back there. Like, they didn't get to know that you love them. So like, I'm going to run to the back real quick. <laughs> and then when I get back up, I'm going to run back again. Because like, that's, for me, like, that's what the love of Christ should be like. And that's what this conversation should be like, is whether or not I'm going to love you and how well I'm going to love you on this journey not the theology behind it it's good it's really good i you know and you bring up some really good points that i think would do well for everybody to hear um the first thing would be 
you you start talking about like you know you've chosen the path of celibacy right now and and I, we need to stop as a culture in particular christian community to stop being like well when you get married yeah or when you get you know it, it's like I, I love what you're saying because what what you're saying on the front end is like you want to passionately follow Jesus. Yeah. Hard stop. Right? Yeah. And then in and that's I think too often and this is a gay and straight thing. So in the conversation, so many people are. I'm mean, gonna hear this with straight with straight folks all the time. Uh, oh, you're single. Mm-hmm. As if like oh. I'm you're, so sorry. When you get, when you get married, right. when you can have sex, when you can, and I'm like, stop doing that. Like that is, that is, we've talked about the idolatry that we have with sex and marriage, but I think it also hurts people. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, if you're like right now, if your path is like, and you've been, you've been clear about this, but you said, I'm, I feel like I'm just following God right now. I'm celibate right now. Right. Like that's yeah. your, that's your path for anyone to be like, yeah, but Michelle, when you get married and when you do this, I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not yes. help. Like that is that is not helpful. Yeah, and I and I've had people who tell me that, and I love them very <laughs> sure. dearly. And I'm like, yeah. but like, here's the thing. Like, I'm okay if I don't get married. Like, y'all know I hate people. So like, <laughs> <laughs> why would I want to marry another you know human being? Or, but I've also like maintained that like my celibacy isn't because I think homosexuality is wrong for me. It's actually because looking back at my dating trend has been super unhealthy in so many ways. Because then it's like, I have self-worth issues. I have all of these issues with like me, my personality, uh, how I look, how I talk, how I think, how I am with other people. And then I look at this reality of like, I don't want to date another female because I will always feel like I'm not enough for her. Or I will be comparing her to somebody else that I would want to have a relationship with. And then by choosing celibacy, it's also by letting go of sex and marriage. It's also this like, I don't have to feel like my worth is only me lying on my back for somebody. Mm -hmm. Because that's what it was too. Like if I didn't find when I was doing the dating websites and all that stuff, if I didn't find a girl that I was attracted to that wasn't attracted to me or whatever, I would switch my preferences and be like, well, all I really wanted was sex. So let me just find a guy that would be like who I could do that with and then call it a day. Hmm. Um, And God like slowly started to reveal to me in the last year is it's like, hey, like I'm here for a reason. And there's like all of this stuff that you still have that you need to work on. So like, let's forget everything else. Let's go back to ground zero and let's start working on the small things for you. And then if in like six months or six years or 60 years, God's like, hey, by the way, like, here's my gift to you. And that's a marriage. Fantastic. If not, not the end of the world. Right. I still have great community. I still have friends who love me. If they all get married and have babies, I will be the fun aunt because everybody knows I'm the fun one anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... I think it's interesting, something you said during your story, I wanted to get clarity on. Um, you you uh, said that, like, you can remember being in kindergarten and having crushes on girls. Yeah. Um, was that, like, a glib comment, or do you feel like that's, like, you have strong memories of... No. Yeah. yeah, like, I... And it could just be, like, when you're at that age, you're like, oh, like, I want to be friends with the popular right, girls. Sure, yeah. sure. But it was always, like, the... I never, like, I didn't care about the guys. Like, right. if I did, it was because I was playing sports with them. I wanted to be the tomboy and not the one that was like, oh, look at me, I'm a girl. Mm. Um, but it was like, yeah, like, looking back, um, 
there were girls that I just remembered that were the forefront of my mind that Mm -hmm. I would want to be friends with um, or would always like try to like run down and like hang out with or talk about or whatever. Um, And the same thing throughout like middle school, like when I look back and this was not me making like those clear conscious decisions, obviously Mm -hmm. in those moments, but like looking back now, I'm like, yeah, no, I definitely probably should have realized something was up in high school or middle school or elementary school because it was always like there was always one girl that stood out um, more than all the rest. Yeah, that's interesting to me because one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about and I've kind of harped on it like during this conversation is this idea that sexual orientation and some of the things that we talk about when we talk about LGBTQ versus straight is so is like bigger than sex mm-hmm. and it's like when you're in kindergarten you don't there's no it's not even in the in the thing you know it's like a pre you're pre-sexual you know you're pre yeah um so to feel it that early is it was just interesting to me i wanted to get i wanted to like make sure i heard heard yeah you clearly it kind of um that's interesting because i can definitely remember i mean for me as a, a straight guy i can remember before i knew thing one about sex or 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 marriage or dating you know little like i don't know like seeing aladdin and being like i like when jasmine's on screen you know like just little like totally non right yeah exactly (laughs) um or yeah just like um i definitely have my guy friends but like there's you know this one girl like that i really like when she's around and yeah so it's it was just interesting to hear you um, articulate that from such an early age yeah um i think another question i have um is I don't know, John, maybe this was going to be yours, but I want to uh, hear what, so the terminology is like side A, side B, right? So yeah. like side A is um, affirming, so pro, theologically pro same-sex marriage, and then side B is um, this belief of a call to celibacy. Mm-hmm. And for some people, side B means, no, I think everyone's called to celibacy, and for some celibacy, and for some people, it's more like what you're describing. Yeah. But if you had something that you could say to your affirming friends and then something you could say to your quote unquote, like traditionalist friends, yeah. like what's something that you I wish th- can I yeah. interrupt? I think we need to stop saying affirming and okay. non-affirming. Yeah. Like I, I, I just don't like that at all because that Im- to me implies that you don't like, if I disagree with you theologically, and if you said, "Well, you're not affirming," but I, I, I could hypothetically, like, but I love you, Michelle. Yeah, like I, I affirm you as a person, as as a yeah. gay, as a gay person. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, to to me, I think it would be, I don't know. You might have a different opinion on this, Michelle. I just, whenever I hear that, I'm, I just, I feel like it makes, it'd be good to not use that. Okay. <laughs> My, yeah. my, my no i get i get where you're coming from and actually it makes sense um because yeah i don't know how we would frame that and make that seem it's not like yeah because if like for people and i don't even like traditionalist and progressive mm-hmm. like that just makes it seem kind of well wow. we're putting a very complicated issue into words on, on yeah. some level yeah um, well, we'll coin those words and then we'll, we'll figure that out and get back to you. Yeah. And then in five years, when we're like out at people's churches doing this right. for them, we will have that figured out. And they will have to pay us every time they use those That's words true. that we come up with. Um, so for people who are theologically aligned with a traditional view of one man, one woman yeah. in marriage um, and, and people who are um, 
theologically aligned with the idea that there is room for same-sex marriage. I love seeing you trying to struggle for God. I'm getting there. I'm great at language. I just can't spell. Um, so for your friends that you said earlier who are what you would consider previously to be affirming until we come up with a new word, what's something that you could, and maybe have said like, I'm not going to come to your church because you guys are not affirming. What's something you wish when you're like at that table or in those crowds? We asked the same thing of Karen. Yeah. Like, when you're in the side side A crowd, what what's something you wish you could say? What's what's something that gets that's on your mind a lot? Um, basically, it's remembering that as much grace as we want to be extended to ourselves for feeling something that we have no control over, we need to extend it to the people who have a different theological stance than we do, and being open to not changing somebody's perspective, but understanding like how did this person get to this theological viewpoint Mm -hmm. um and how can we essentially kind of like what you're doing with the podcast is like how can we continue to think this out and have this conversation and still grow as a community and grow as people Mm -hmm. and i think i would honestly say the same thing to both sides because and but then on the side b of it to the um right side b is the non-traditionalist view or the traditionalist view of marriage um would be to humanize gay people and actually want to sit down and hear their story, but not listen to it one time. Like this is a continual conversation. Mm -hmm. And at some point, like you're going to get tired of having it, but you're going to get tired of having it because you feel like you've now, like I now see this person as like somebody who is more than just their sexuality. Um, And once you can hear like, even my story and like we touched very briefly on like my coming out with my family. And, you know, when I said like three years ago was the first person I came out, like the first time I came out to like church people, um, this podcast is the first time probably most of my family will hear me say I'm gay. And that's terrifying for me. Like your eyes just got (laughs) super wide. I did not know that going in. (laughs) No. And, but see, I knew that going in and I was actually joking with a friend um, about it. And I was like, yep. So we'll see if I'm at the Celeste dinner for Thanksgiving. And she's like, it's fine. You'll be at mine. I was like, okay, cool. So like, and that has been like a thing for me over the last four years too, is getting to this point where like, I feel like I, if my family's like, you know what, like, love you but not not enough to like still accept you as our family which they wouldn't they I mean they haven't yet so like why would they after this um I have community to fall back on Mm -hmm. and I think that's the biggest piece that people are missing is that like on both sides of it is you just need people to fall back on Mm -hmm. people who are going to you know show up and rally and what I've told other people is like if you know I get married It wouldn't be, I shouldn't have to think of my people that I'm going to invite, my list of people and be like, oh, like, I'm not going to invite John and Lacey because they don't support gay marriage. They're not going to come. I can't write that narrative for John and Lacey. Um, I'm just going to be like, hey, like, I'm inviting you on my wedding. Let's talk about it if you have a problem. And then, like, we'll figure it out as we go along. Um, Same thing for, like, you and your wife. Like, I can't just say, like, oh, I'm not going to invite Matt and Jenny because I don't think they're going to come to my wedding. Like. It needs to be like conversations like we need to leave at some point we need to start leaving theology, you know, in the Bible and start looking at people as people because that's what Jesus did. People as people. Um, and I mean, what do you like Zacchaeus? He went to his house, like right. said, like, hey, get out of the tree or wherever you were standing or trying to see him. 
we're going to go to your house. Like that's, I think that's for both sides. Jesus only quoted scripture at religious people. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, Well, yeah. And it's like you, it's not, I love you, but mm -hmm. you know, I love you if it's like this idea, if we really want to value people, you love them. Yeah. And that's, that's just what you do. Yeah. You know, and I know folks listen, some folks listen to us and like, yeah, but what about, what about, what about, and yeah, there's what abouts for theological conversations, but as, and I try to point this out all the time, and folks get mad at me when I say this, but um, everyone's got holes in their theology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we, what we've discovered, and we'll probably do an episode on this, but even with Preston and Karen, like there are things, and these are some of the most brilliant minds on theologically on this topic and there's like in, in the episode with karen i want if, if, if we were that style of podcast i would push back so hard because mm-hmm. like there were a couple of things i'm like that ain't right you know and but with preston it was the same way that we were in conversation that like he didn't have some answers to some things and it just revealed that this stuff isn't like this conversation theologically is not as clean as we ever like to make it on either side mm-hmm. or perspective and but what is clean 100% of the time is that we love people yeah that's clean mm-hmm. you know and so thanks so much for like for sharing that part because I think that's so spot on so now this is a question that we did not ask the other two folks um, and I think they would have had an answer but it's because I want to know from you I don't know if I feel special or not hmm. or terrified you are special <laughs> Special in our eyes. I want to know this from you because you're part of our community, so it's less of a theoretical question because it could actually happen. Um, I've ramped it up to be scarier than it is so that it's not. (laughs) So let's say there's somebody who's part of our community. It doesn't have to be somebody who goes to our church. Maybe it's just somebody who's like... Friend of a friend. Friend of a friend, whatever. Part of the, the community. And you know for a fact that they have a real problem. Like they have a hard time um, hiding that they don't approve of what they would consider the gay lifestyle so let's just say they have like sort of an old school vibe right Mm -hmm. and they have a kid and the kid is gay and Mm. the kid comes to you because you're the only gay person they know Mm -hmm. and comes out to you what do you say to that kid you can take a long pause because i can cut it out so that it sounds like you had a smart quick answer (laughs) (laughs) well no it, it it's actually like i was that gay kid like but i didn't have anybody that can be like hey by the way i'm gay um I honestly, like, I think it would boil down to the first thing I would want to know is, like, how do you feel about this? Like, like, this is scary. I mean, there's there's no how to determine you're gay. Um, if there was, I probably wouldn't read it because that would be more terrifying. Um, but, I, yeah, I would want to know, like, what are your thoughts and how are you feeling? And then the next step would be, like, all right, like, have you talked to your family about it? Um, and... If not, um, let's practice this. Let's let's go through it and then know that, one, I'm going to, you know, if you want me there to have the conversation, I'll be there. If you want me to be your scapegoat, um, I'll talk about it and I'll think about it. Probably won't actually do it because that needs to come from you because um, it's very hard to be outed by people. I mean, my parents actually outed me like I didn't get to tell them I was gay. Um, so that was a terrifying conversation. Um but yeah, no, I would definitely want to know how they feel and then figure out what they want to do next. Um, and then 
<clears throat> for the parents, I'm going to continue that because I like, think there are a lot of parents that need to like hear how this goes. Um, a lot of parents, this goes back to we idolize marriage and dating and all this stuff. Um, I think parents also idolize like their dream kid. Like I'm sure at some point with all three of yours and two of yours that you're like, oh, like they're going to they're going to do this when they get older. They're going to be smart enough to do this. They're going to do that. Um, challenging parents to let go of that, those thought processes and those dreams that you have um, and just raise good people, gracious people. Um, but then like if your kid comes out as gay, um, start finding people like your own supportive community that you can ask the tough questions to because um, there are tough questions. There are a lot of questions um, and you're not going to get good answers if you don't go through people who have done it um, or who are going through it. I think like therapists are great. Pastors are great. However, like a kid, some kid comes out as gay to his parents or her parents and they want to know like, well, what does sex look like for this? Like, well, like my pastor's not probably going to want to answer that. And nor do I want to answer that because that's way too much. But, um, but there are those questions. And then there's like the mental states of like, well, what's going to happen? And the suicidal thoughts. I mean, suicide in, in LBGTQ teens is, is exponentially higher than most everything else. Um, because it is going through those like tough, challenging moments and figuring out. So, yeah, like those would be my challenges. That's good. Thank you. Um Cool. Well, is there anything else that <clears throat> you want to share? I know one thing you you and I had talked about was like, because this is, it's great. Okay, so being on the podcast is great because you're not like calling anyone out. You're just saying like, you know what frustrates me and you know what I would say if. <laughs> so one of the things you've talked about with me is like the difference between celibacy and singleness. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on the difference between that and maybe how they get confused? So... <laughs> They kind of are very similar, but they're kind of not. Like, they do have, like, very different-esque moments. So, like, celibacy, when you look it up in the dictionary, it says that, like, I'm abstaining from marriage and sex. Whereas singleness is like, I'm abstaining from sex, but I still want to get married. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I still think about getting married. Or I'm dating. Or so they're very, like, they go in the same line but they're not the exact same thing. Um, and I think sometimes like when I tell, like I joke with people, like, oh, yeah, I'm celibate because of that. And they're like, but I'm celibate too. And I'm like, but let's back this up because like five minutes ago, I heard that you were trying to like consider dating this person. And like, that's not celibacy. Um, celibacy is saying like, I, I'm not going to partake in that for religious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like that's, I mean, that for me is just a big struggle because then it's like comparing apples and oranges when it's not really Mm. they're both fruit but they're not the exact same thing yeah it reminds it's funny it reminds me of all the conversations i've ever had about not me not drinking and being straight edge and people are always like oh yeah i'm straight edge too like this week and i'm like that's not how being straight edge works (laughs) yeah that's different you're sober but like i'm talking about i will never have a drink (laughs) yeah that's my plan and similarly i can feel i'd never thought about it this way but like that similar frustration of when somebody whenever I've ever said like oh yeah I'm straight edge which to me means like a lifetime commitment of sobriety and they're like oh cool well dude 
I hope I'm there when you have your first beer. I'm like, no, listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. <laughs> like, it's infuriating. Yeah, which is why, like, I sometimes, like, shift my thought of, like, yeah, like, I'm celibate. But, like, I'm not against, like, if God's like, hey, by the way, like, there's. But it's just, like, I'm okay if God's like, hey, like, you're going to be single till you get to heaven. Because what I'm giving you in heaven is far greater than mm-hmm. what you're ever going to get on, like, this fleshly plane. Yeah, totally. um, not to so, mention you're not married in heaven. Uh-oh. Do what? That's a whole other theology <laughs> like, podcast. Well, no I, exactly yeah. like that, and that's but poking the bear a little bit. <laughs> I'll leave it to John. Oh man, cool. Well, thank you so much for being on, Michelle. Our, our time. We don't want to keep everyone. You have to get back to work, and John has to pick his kids up from. It's true. I would say school. this. Oh, if there ahead. was one prayer, you said your biggest prayer had not been answered, and I would disagree. Well, I would agree what you're praying for. Your biggest prayer should be to not be a Redskins fan. Oh God! Ew! And that grosser. We use. I'm going to bleep. I'm going to bleep that word out. Well, no, I have already decided they fired their head coach. I told my boss today, and I was like, "Hey, like, if I don't report to work tomorrow, it's because they hired me as their head coach because they could not do any worse than what they just had." But it is a gross word. Uh, all right, cool. Thanks everybody for joining us um, on this episode of Stay Curious. We will be back to continue our um, series on faith and sexuality. If you have any thoughts, comments, uh, questions, or concerns, email them to staycurious at hillcityrva.com. A rate and review us if you get a second, and we will see you next time. Bye.